is going to encourage you too. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, ladies, for sharing. This is for the glory of God, and we just give you praise, Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, we are starting this series, and, and we're calling it Living the Truth because the truth is what sets us free. We know that verse, right? And Jesus said, um, he said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But Jesus also said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by or through me. You know, truth is not an idea. Truth is not a philosophy. Truth is not an ideal. Truth is a person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why when you receive the truth, Jesus is the truth who sets you free. And when you line up your thinking with the word of God, that fear cannot steal my song away. That depression does not have control over me. I know who I am. Sickness, you have to go because the truth who lives in me has set me free from you. And that's the power of living in the truth. But you see, I have this fire just burning in my bones that we, and I already said it, but we need, we need to ask God to show us what life is supposed to look like and not say this is good enough. I don't think any of us are living in the fullness of what God has paid so great a price by sending his son, Jesus. And we just celebrated his death and his resurrection. There is no power of the devil that can come against you anymore except what we believe through his deception. Because spiritual forces are empowered by human agreement. And so what you did, Rachel, is you broke your agreement with that lie that said, I'm stealing your song. You'll never sing again. You might as well quit. You're disqualified. People will be surprised if they find out what you're struggling with. You know what? Thank God she shared that. Thank, that's part of your freedom, honey. That's part of your freedom to say, and now how many of you are encouraged by that? See? See what that does? And that's how God gets the glory. But you get the freedom. And there's freedom. Ladies, there are freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. John 8, 31 through 32 is that scripture that says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Galatians 5, 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And everything's in the past tense, so guess what? The freedom has already been accomplished. Now it's up to us to learn to walk in it. So um, can you show that um, picture of our message today? Because what I'm entitling this is not just survive, revive, and thrive. And yes, it rhymes. But, and I'm proud of it. Just kidding. But this poor woman is going under. She's being overwhelmed by the water surrounding her. And there are times in my life when I feel like, God, I'm just treading water here. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Anybody ever feel that way? And there's no condemnation because we all go through seasons. But 
know the truth this morning to set you free. That God wants to revive you so you can thrive. That is living below what Jesus paid so great a price. In fact, God, uh, uh, John 10, 10 calls it Zoe life. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, and if Jesus said, how many of you know it's true? Okay, just checking. It's written in red. It's written in blood. He said, I have come to give you life. Life more abundantly. How many are ready for more abundance in their life? Okay, ladies, this is what our heritage is as children of the king, daughters of the king. See, because I know, I know that I can give you good information this morning, and I hope it gives you some inspiration, but the only thing that really sets you free is when truth becomes revelation to you, and that turns into transformation. So this, I pray that as these words go forth, that it brings revelation and transformation. Hebrews 13, 21 says, may the God of peace strengthen, everybody say strengthen, and make you what you ought to be. Oh, how many times do we not feel like we're enough? Well, God says that he will strengthen, complete, perfect, and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Okay, what a beautiful promise. Who's doing the strengthening? Jesus is. Who's doing the equipping? Jesus is. And he's doing it in you. He is accomplishing that which is pleasing in his sight in you. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. So that sounds pretty good, right? Truth and freedom. We're strengthened, equipped to carry out his will. So God wants more for us than just barely getting by, barely surviving. I survived another day. Can I say this? Some of us have been in survival mode so long that we don't know anything else. But Jesus has more for us because I am tired of settling for second or third best. I am tired of trying to just simply manage my stress, pacify my fears, and feeling weighed down. I am done. Anybody else done? Let's be done with that today because Jesus says we can be free from that. Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Anybody want a new thing in here? All right. He says he's doing it. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it and you will not give heed to it? He says, you better recognize it. I'm doing this new thing. And I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's got abundance for us. Now that's just information right now. But if you will receive that and let the Holy Spirit minister that as revelation, it will become transformation in your life. He's got a river of life for you, not a trickle, not a sprinkle, not an eyedropper. He's got a river for you. He has a way. Some of you are saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know my way. I've lost my way. He has a way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There you go. Go to the way, and he will show you the way. 
So God wants more for us, and he has more for us. But let me just give you a simple definition of the word thrive, because that rhymed, right? It means flourish, prosper, grow vigorously. Ooh, you know, I know that I'm kind of preaching to the choir, because you would not be here if you were not interested in growing. I know that this group of women, you have dedicated and committed yourself to hear the word of God and to allow it to transform you. And so I just want you to know God is so proud of you. He is so proud of you. How many know that you have 10 different things you could be doing this morning instead of being here? Okay, maybe 20. All right. But you chose to be here, and I know that now you are in a place where God can do a new thing, and you can receive. And it springs forth, is what it says. So, again, that definition, flourish, prosper, grow vigorously, develop well, burgeon. There's a word we don't use. Bloom, blossom, do well, advance, make strides, and succeed. That's what God says about you. But you know what? Sometimes we think, well, you don't know my situation at home. I cannot thrive until my husband shapes up, until I can fix him. Ooh. <laughs> or it's because of my kids. Or it's because this financial thing, or we lost a job, or we have this issue. We've, we're, we're right in the middle of all this chaos and tumult. How in the world can I thrive? You know what? I have some good news for you. Because even if your situation never changes, God can put you in his secret place and cause you to thrive. He can do a work in you and without anything changing out here. But now you become an agent for change. Because you're flourishing, you're prospering, you're succeeding because this is the most important relationship and God has already equipped you to handle anything that's going on in your family or in your life. Because the lie is believing that I can't be okay until this thing changes. That's a lie. You can be more than okay. You can be living the Zoe life. The life as God has it. We all know that Jesus' life was filled with a lot of issues, a lot of problems. But obviously, he thrived. No matter what came against him, he thrived. Not just survive. But sometimes we need to be revived. And I think some of us this morning need mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And it's not coming from me. But there's one who has the breath of life for you. Because a drowning victim, the issue is they have lack of oxygen. And the water possibly in their lungs has actually caused them to suffocate. And they need oxygen. So when that breath that gets breathed into their, their mouth and goes into their lungs, if it can push out the water, that person can live again. And so let the breath of life this morning Breathe into your lungs a new breath to resuscitate where we need to be revived. Acts 17.25 says, For it is he himself, Jesus, who gives life and breath and all things to all people. So, Father God, right now, through your Holy Spirit, breathe a breath of life to those 
who feel like they've been drowning. Breathe. Is there any part of your life right now that you need to ask God to breathe his breath of life into? Let him show you. No, let him do it. There it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We received the breath of life this morning into those things that have died. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us mouth to mouth this morning and being the breath of life for us. Ladies, we need the word. We need the word of God. And Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word that God speaks is alive. We've got to believe that one, girls. This is not just, these are not just words on a page. They are rhema. They are life-giving. He's the giver and the breath of life. So, uh, again, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, effective, those are powerful words. Those are not just getting by surviving words. Those are energizing you to greater heights of power and freedom through Jesus. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. No, I did not bring my sword this morning, but don't you worry. You'll see it again. Penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow of the deepest part of our nature. And what it does, this is what the word of God does, girls. It exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of the hearts. You want to go deep? You let the word of God do the work. It goes to the deepest part of who we are, the very core, to the very parts that we are not even in touch with sometimes, to the very depth of pain that's been there for so long. But it can go deep. It cuts deep, not to cut, to hurt, but to heal. And again, we invite God into those deep places. If you're brave enough to do it, you will again experience something better than just surviving. But it will revive you so that you can thrive. So let the words that God speak bring life and power, energy penetrating to the deepest part of who we are. To the very dividing line, it says, to the breath of life. Because, see, some of us think we know how to survive. And so we've kind of got our go-tos. You know, when I'm feeling depressed, I do this. When I'm feeling anxious, I shop over here. <laughs> or maybe a nice vacation, I'll feel better. Or maybe I just need to, you know, get together with my girlfriends. All those things are great. But if they're just Band-Aids for something deeper... It doesn't fix anything. And so this is where we invite God into the very deepest. Sometimes we say, God, why do I always do that? Can you show me? He says, because I want to heal this thing. Something deep. The, 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 the root of it, it needs to be taken up. But I'll do it for you if you let me. If he reveals it to you and you release it to him, he'll replace it with something so good. So it's a good exchange, amen? It's a good exchange. But everything that we use to pacify and to comfort ourselves, if it's something different than what only God can give, it's just a counterfeit. And it's a temporary fix at best. It's a Band-Aid. 
So something recently that happened, it was just so fun. God revealed something to me that, I need, that he needed to change in me that was affecting my marriage. Now, my husband and I, Bill, we've been married for 38 years, and we have a great marriage. I love being with my husband. He's my David. He is kind of, oh, he's a man after God's own heart. Sorry, hang on. It's time to get rid of the earring. But there was, uh, you know, I'll just be vulnerable. There have been little parts. Hi, Amy. <laughs> when you've been married a while, you kind of form these habits, right, of responding to one another. You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you don't do this. But we kind of, kind of do a little jabbing. You know, jib-jab, you know. And, and then there's some issues that you always get in the same pattern of going around and around and around, and you never resolve a thing. Okay, am I, am I speaking to the choir or am I the only one? Okay, all right. So, you know, we have our little tiffs every once in a while. And the one good thing is that over the years, we both learned it's just not worth hanging on to it. So we can be one minute and the next minute and say, um, you know, what do you want for supper? And it's fine. We, we've learned to leave some things and not let them fester, you know. And sometimes you say, okay, we just agree to disagree sometimes. But what God showed me, he said, Karen, it's time for you to get rid of that spirit of competition. I went, what? He said, because you, you like to be right. Well, I am right sometimes. <laughs> But to have to continue to prove it and to discuss it because I want you to know that I'm right. And he thinks he's just as right. And, but, and then what happens is you just kind of tit tat tit tat tat back and forth, back and forth. And you try to defend yourself. You start blaming the other person. You'll bring up the past. It's just a crazy cycle, girls. And so he said, just drop the competition, Karen. It it brought me so much peace. And I went, oh, that's what that feels like. Okay, in that area. So when things were just wonderful and great and we weren't tatting and doing anything, you know, uh, arguing, whatever you want to call it, discussing um, with intensity, no. Uh, <laughs> I just shared with my husband. I said, you know what? God showed me that, um, that he broke that spirit of competition, you know, how we kind of go back and forth sometimes. And I said, and it's just brought me so much peace. And he looked at me, and we both sensed that God broke something in both of us at that moment. And see, when I submitted myself to what the word that God said to me, and said, yeah, you're right, I'll release that, do it in me, I can't do it myself. It's a pattern that I've had. But he could break it in me, and he replaced it with peace. And it broke something in my husband because I became an agent of change. I could have prayed and prayed and prayed. God, make him stop thinking he's right all the time and being so stubborn. And guess what? When we pray for somebody else to change, guess who God is going to work on first? Okay, everybody raise two hands. Say, make the change in me. And that's what happened. But now you become an agent of change. You're no longer bringing strife and chaos into the situation. And this, it, was a, it was like I spoke a word of life. And 
we have been enjoying some really wonderful times of peace at a higher level than we ever have. And we've been married for 38 years. And I celebrate that because God did that for us. And like I said, things are great, but they can be greater. They can be greater. God has so much more. So this morning, I just want you and I to have an honest talk with self. So everybody say self. We're going to ask ourselves three questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, we put those up. Have you got that slide for me, Jordan? Thank you. Our three questions are, what am I listening to? What am I saying? And what am I believing? What am I listening to? What am I saying? And what am I believing? Let's start with the first one. Listen to what you're listening to. You know, we've already talked about how Jesus completely, totally stripped the devil of all of his weapons and took back the authority for us that Adam gave away. And so we are fully equipped to, do, uh, to, to walk in this victory that Jesus accomplished for us. But the only thing the devil has on us is he's trying to get into your thought life. And dangle thoughts to see if you'll bite, to see if you'll own them. So I'm talking about our thought life. And he tries to gain a foothold in our minds through the portal of your thoughts. Revelation 12.10 calls the devil the accuser of the brethren who hurls accusations at you day and night. So you know he's talking. All right, but he is always accusing you, and he's always undermining the word of God in your life. He wants you to, true, to, to change your source of life from God to yourself or to something or someone. And so he's always undermining you. Are you sure God will do that for you? Maybe you haven't done enough. Maybe God doesn't love you as much as he loves that girl because she always gets her prayers answered. Maybe there's something wrong with you. And if you listen, well, and the other thing we know about the devil, he's a liar. So whatever he says, it's a lie. So you have to ask God to, to show you when the lie is being spoken that you spot it right away. Because, and here's how we do that. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Now, I actually handed out a sheet in front of you there, didn't mention it, but some of the longer scriptures, I've written them out because they get really, really long, and I want to kind of dissect them together, okay? So on your handout scripture sheet, you should have 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Is that right? Yes? Okay. So for though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. Anything human you turn to in your own effort to defeat this thing will fail. You can't use human weapons because we're not fighting flesh and blood. We have to fight spirit with spirit. So we are in a war, but we're not fighting flesh. And all of our go-to solutions are not going to work in this war. Let's go on to uh, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. See, God has equipped you already with weapons at work and had defeat this war, this battle that we find ourselves in, especially in 
the mind in the thought life. And they will overthrow and destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? Anything that has a stronghold on you. <laughs> Rocket science, it's not. All right, so... Verse 5 says, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead, here's the key, gals, we lead every thought captive, say every thought captive, into the obedience of Christ. That's where we gain victory in our thought life. Paul is telling us that we need to take those thoughts and hold it up to the, to the light and the glory of God's word. And if it doesn't agree with God's word, you throw it out. You lead it captive. You put it into Jesus jail and slam the door and lock it up because you don't have to receive it and you have authority over it. And I've told my, my testimony, <laughs> Jesus jail, you like that? So years ago, I had a stronghold of fear in my life. And I've shared this many, many times. And I thought that if I just ignored it, it would just go away. But it, it gained more and more territory in my thoughts and my emotions. Because, and I said this earlier, spiritual influence is empowered by human agreement. So because I did not recognize first the source of it, I thought it was just me. No, it was the devil. And a spirit of fear, I just kept giving it more and more real estate in my heart until one day it began to manifest in a very creepy way. And I don't give the devil any glory for that because the only thing that turned it around is when I realized, wait a minute, what am I listening to? Why am I receiving that? Why am I entertaining that thought? Why am I not taking authority over that thought and say, I resist you, that's a lie. And I'm not believing that. And I had to break my agreement with so many lies that I had been believing. And for me in particular, it was that we were not safe. My kids were not safe. I wasn't safe. And I turned to things and people to make me feel safe. And it didn't work. It got worse. And so the only thing that works is to use the word of God as the final say and the final power that we turn to and say, that is is a lie. Go to jail. <laughs> I'm taking you captive. You are no longer going to be capting, captivating me. How about that? I'm no longer in your captivity. So the thought that you entertain is the thought that will remain. Nip it in the bud. Because Luke 10, 19 says, listen carefully, Jesus is talking. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority. The problem was I wasn't exercising authority. I was just being this, this wimp and letting it have authority over me. But when I stood up and what I know is my authority through Jesus Christ, it says that over all the power of the enemy that he has given the ability to exercise authority and nothing will in any way harm you. That's a pretty big word. Nothing will never hurt me if I will walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. So you do not have to take that stuff. You lead those thoughts captive. 
Also on your handouts, uh, there's scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. It says, in conclusion, be strong. Okay, sometimes we stop right there and say, oh, I don't feel so strong. But that's, you're not supposed to feel strong. It says, be strong in the Lord. He's strong. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. And this is where we get dressed for success. Put on the whole armor of God. The armor of heavy armed soldier which God supplies that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. Sounds like thriving to me. Doesn't sound like just surviving. Doesn't sound like drowning. It sounds like success and victory. Because we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, and against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly sphere. Therefore, therefore, put on the God, God's complete armor that you may be able. Do you see that? He's making you able. He is making you able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands, just keep standing. That is your right and your heritage in what Jesus defeated the devil so that you can walk in the same authority as him. Amen? Amen. All right. Hebrews 13, 6, it says, so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified because what can man do to me? That's specifically about a spirit of fear. Let's move on to number two. What am I saying? Your thoughts are going to trigger something coming out of your mouth. In fact, the scripture says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What kind of fruit do you want to eat? Do you want to eat the fruit of life, or do you want to eat the fruit of death? Okay. Can I tell the story of Jonah? When Jonah was born, Amy's oldest, Amy and Josh's oldest, within hours it was evident that he had something seriously wrong. And the words that doctors were saying to us were death. They were dismal. It was serious. They didn't know what it was, so they were just kind of speculating. But everything they threw out was like, you, we had to decide, how are we going to deal with that? And we did not repeat those words or speak those death-filled words over him, and we began to immediately speak life. Yeah. Jonah will live and not die. Jonah is already the healed of the Lord. Jonah is in the process of becoming whole and complete because Jesus did a whole and complete work on the cross. Their diagnosis didn't change, but we just kept praying. Within hours, he went through very serious surgery, and so we're in the waiting room. We're speaking scriptures. We're speaking life. We never repeated those death-filled words. And the doctor, <laughs> I'll never forget this. When the doctors came, they said, oh, it's not what we thought. And, and we can fix this. It's going to be a long road, but it wasn't what they said. It was none of those things that they spoke that would have completely altered his quality of life or could have meant death. 
None of those things were true. And if they had been true at the very beginning, I believe God turned it around in Jesus' name because we refused to speak words of death over him. So what are you going to speak over you? That's right. What happens when you feel depressed? I know some of you got really free last week, but you know what? Depression's going to come knocking on your door and see if you can bite. What are you going to say? That's right. You take authority over it. You will be, you do not let it get on top of you. You get on top of it. Who's supposed to be standing on top of whom? You get on top of it because Jesus has already put you on top of it. So now speak words of life. I thank you, God, that I am filled with your joy. I'm filled with your peace. I refuse this heaviness. You go in Jesus' name. I'm choosing to worship. I'm putting on my garment of praise. I'm trading in that heavy robe, that heaviness that I have carried around and thought it was mine. I, I, I break my agreement with that identity. I am not a depressed person. I am filled with the joy of the Lord. And you say, I don't feel like it. Do it anyway. You've got to retrain your brain. And you've got to retrain your words and make your words line up with your spirit girl. Because your spirit girl say, I'm not depressed. I love the Lord. I'm always in a good mood because I love Jesus. There's no depression in there. And now you've got to get your mind and your will and your emotions lined up with that. And your body says, yes, we're full of joy. All right. The majority is worshiping and loving and filled with the presence of God. But you've got to make some choices. Watch your words, because your words have the power of life and death. Speak life, speak life. Speak life into that dead marriage. Don't call him names anymore. <laughs> I was going to say a few, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> You're all filled in the blanks, I know, I know. But the best thing about that is, do you remember Gideon? God showed up. Gideon's being a coward. Gideon's hiding, and God says, rise up, mighty man of valor. God called it forth. You call forth forth the greatness out of your husband because he doesn't even know it yet. But God can bring it forth. You speak life and not death. Number three. I've got three minutes for number three. What am I believing What am I really believing? See, sometimes we double talk because you can't believe in two opposing truths at the same time. One of them is going to be incorrect. So sometimes we say things like, you know, I'm believing God for my healing and planning our funeral at the same time. Okay, that's extreme. But we need to be single-mindedly focused on what we believe. And let me just say this. It's an honest prayer to say, Lord God, help me in my unbelief. That's an okay prayer, because he will. He will. That man whose son was throwing himself into the fire, and Jesus said, you know, that he will be set free. And the man, the father, just was humble before Jesus. He said, oh, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I want to believe that. And I know some of you are there, and that's okay. But don't stay there. Say, God, help me to cross over into that place. And I love James 1, 5 through 8, because it's telling us really that what we say in faith, it says, and and this is talking about wisdom, but it, I believe, is our prayer life needs to look like this. 
Whatever you ask, ask in faith with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out of the sea and is blown hither, thither, and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For the man is being a man of two minds, being hesitant, dubious, and irresolute. He's unstable, unreliable, and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Thanks, James. That didn't feel too good, did it? But what it means is ask God to help you to be single-mindedly focused on the truth of the Word of God so that we are no longer entertaining the what-ifs. What if this doesn't work? Well, what if it does? And I dare you to believe the Word of God because we have to believe that the Word of God works every time. That's our good news. Mark 11, 24 through 25 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. What a promise. But the belief is before you see it. Thomas said, I won't believe it until I see it. And some of us pray like that. And then we say, God, why, are, why isn't it happening? He said, well, you have to receive it first by faith before it comes manifest in the physical. That's faith. That's faith. And so ask him to help you exercise faith. And one more scripture before we close here. Hebrews 4.2, and I've shared this before, but I think this is one of the saddest scriptures in, in the whole Bible. Because here the children of Israel have escaped. God has led them out of, of slavery. And it takes them about a year, but they get to the promised land, believe it or not. And they refuse to go in. And this is why. It says, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Because God says, I'll take you in and go in and possess the land. I'll fight your battles. He's right there with them. But they refused the message that they heard. And it did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. They did not possess their promised land because they refused to mix it with faith. You have to mix every promise with faith, and that is something only you can release. I can't do it for you. God won't do it for you. And you have to say, I choose to believe the word of God above anything else. And that faith in the Amplified says, with the leaning of the entire personality on God, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. Ladies, it is his good pleasure to answer your prayers and to bless you. It is his good pleasure. So you can receive that. Okay, in closing, I want to read a prayer over you found in Ephesians 3. And then we're going to do something to close this section here. But this is a beautiful prayer, and I think it just summarizes everything we've been talking about. So if you would just bow your heads. Say, may God grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on his love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints that what is the breadth and length and height and depth of his love for you.
that you may really come to know practically through experiencing it for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, that you may be filled throughout your whole being unto all the fullness of God, which means you may have the richest measure of his presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who by the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Okay, we're not quite done. Because on the back side of your sheet, I've rewritten this beautiful prayer, and I took out all the U's, and I put in the I's. This is how we take the word of God and get it on the inside of us. Because it's not just a word for somebody else. Now it's a word for me. And so can we read this all together? And it's all about personalizing the word of God and choose to receive everything that this says about you. Let's say it together. I am strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in my inner woman by the Holy Spirit who dwells in my innermost being and personality. Through faith, I believe that Christ actually dwells, settles down, abides, and makes his permanent home in my heart. I am deeply rooted and founded securely in his love for me. I now have the power to be strong, to apprehend and grasp and experience for myself the breadth and length and height and depth of your great love for me. Jesus, I am really coming to know and experience your love. Your love far surpasses anything I know or have ever experienced in my life. I am filled throughout my being with the fullness of you. I open my heart and release faith to receive the fullness of all of who you are. I am filled with the richest measure of your divine presence. I am wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I believe that by the action of your power at work in me, you are able to carry out your purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that I dare ask or think, infinitely beyond my highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To you be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever. Amen. So be it. Can you receive that and release faith this morning? All right. So this is yours to take home, and I would confess it over yourself every day, because every day something else is going to just jump into your heart and show you another piece of truth and freedom. 